always look forward to this half hour. I may, may ask even more of this young man, younger man, in the year ahead as we uh, move forward to the 2024 election. He's a columnist, author, 1916 The Blog, Anti-Knowledge, posts some great stuff about reviews that are just all out wrong, zero-star reviews, wherever you get your social media. He's a uh, podcaster, 50 years of SNL, brilliant stuff. I'm looking at every episode, every season of that great show on NBC over the years, and uh, pleased, as always, to welcome Christian Snyder to the show. Good morning. Good morning. I think we're out of town, out of time after you listed all that stuff. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just reading off your uh, your, your little bio here on, on, on the uh, the Twitter or X. So there's a lot of things we can talk about. Obviously, I'm going to spend most of this year talking about politics 2024, big big doings, legal issues. We'll get to some of the immunity questions. Um, I'll start with this. I'm, I'm listening and reading the words of Donald Trump so far in 2024. It seems an awful like the Donald Trump I saw in 2016. Has anything changed in his uh, delivery, his style, his uh, campaign mode? Uh, no, if anything, he's actually getting worse. Um, although he is, he's going back to kind of all the same tricks that he pulled way back when. Uh, just yesterday, he threw out the theory that Nikki Haley, because her parents are Indian, uh, and not born in America, that she is ineligible to be president, which is, you know, kind of the racist birther nonsense that he got started in politics uh, with way back in, like, what was it, 2013 or so? Right, with Barack he, Obama. He, with Barack Obama. And then he, he used it on Ted Cruz, uh, who was born in Canada uh, and is now one of his biggest supporters, tells you all you need to, to know about Ted Cruz. Use it on Kamala Harris at some point. So this is his his go to move. He's he is who we thought he was, and he's you know he's playing the greatest hits right now. Well, in his mind, and not to not that I want to ever go into that crazy place, but I mean he thinks it all works because he won in twenty sixteen. He thinks he still thinks he won in twenty twenty, and regardless of what happens in the twenty twenty four election, if he's the candidate, and I pretty surely I think he's going to be. He's going to say he won that one, whether he does or not. So for him, this is a winning playbook. Now, there's a lot of questions swirling around all this, and some of this is the legal stuff. And today, in an appeals court, they're talking about presidential immunity. And, I, and I'm, I can only half pay attention because I'm seeing it on monitors as I'm doing a live radio show. I'm pretty sure one of his attorneys said he could essentially kill his political opponent unless he had been impeached or convicted. He could get away with it. Is that actually what happened? Right. It seems like the judges on the panel are not having any of this nonsense. But so his he's making an argument that he's immune for from prosecution, basically on on two points, which are both wildly, uh, uh, you know, inaccurate. Uh, they're, they're wild swings of this whole thing. The first is that because the Senate uh, chose not to remove him. He was impeached by the House, but then not removed by the Senate. The Senate exonerated him. He says he can't be tried again because that would be double jeopardy, which is total nonsense. Because as we all know, the Senate impeachment proceeding is not a trial. Right. It's not a criminal trial. It's just to see whether he stays in office. Uh, his second argument is that what he was doing with, you know, when he was calling the Florida Secretary of State, uh, the Georgia Secretary of State, and asking for votes uh, was part of his official duties. And there are court cases that say 
um, I think they're back from the from the Richard Nixon uh, administration that say a president can't be held criminally liable for things that he does in office, because obviously you don't want the president uh, to be looking over his shoulder for a lawsuit, whether uh, civil or criminal, for the decisions that he or she makes. Uh, so Trump is saying, you know, all this stuff was part of his official duties and therefore he can't be held responsible. But they're not part of his official duties. I mean, getting yourself reelected is not one of the duties of the president. Uh, so he's going to lose on that one, too. So this is all just uh, kind of an appetizer for when we get to the Supreme Court and they have to deal with whether he can actually be on certain state ballots. Um, you know, Colorado and Maine have left him off the ballot. Uh, because he, they argue he engaged in insurrection, and the 14th Amendment of the Constitution says you can't be uh, a presidential candidate if you had done so. So that's, that's going to be the real showstopper, I think, and I think they're going to take that up in February. So looking at the Supreme Court, and again, this is just us speculating, but I, you know, I'm not a legal scholar, but I certainly talked to him on the show, and I, I pride myself on not being shocked or surprised. I'm hoping and this is just me saying this, and you can have your opinion, um, that we are not shocked and surprised by a Supreme Court that is just overtly political. I don't think that's going to happen. But again, I guess I don't know. In the Trump era, nothing's impossible. Yeah, the the immunity one, I think he's he's going to lose. Uh, and it, if it goes to the Supreme Court, it may be 9-0 because it's an absurd argument that he's making. The case of whether he can be left off ballots, I think, is going to be a little bit tougher for the justices. Um, Trump's attorney came out and said, well, we can count on Brett Kavanaugh, uh, Supreme Court justice, to back us up because we backed him up during uh, his nomination, which is just an absurd thing and a damaging thing for an attorney to say, which is evidence that Trump doesn't have the best <laughs> the best attorneys. Right. You can't come out and say that about an, a, a Supreme Court justice. If anything, it's going to make him go the other way to prove his independence. But it's, yeah, it, it's going to be a real tough one. Um, I think the, the court, so, so you remember, you know, during all this when Trump was filing 60 court cases right. uh, to try to get the election overturned and they lost every single one of them. One of them was in Wisconsin, and only one uh, Wisconsin was only one vote away from breaking that that uh, streak. By the way, um, uh, Brian Hagedorn in the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court tipped the scales against mm -hmm. Trump on that one. But uh, so in the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but one of the things that that I've argued is, is to say. Look, it's just too late. We already know Trump did all this stuff. We knew it in 2021. We knew it in 2022. You could have filed all these lawsuits to keep him off the ballot. Now, I mean, we're a week away from votes starting to be cast in Iowa or, you know, they're, they're starting to caucus. Uh, as much as I would love to see Trump not on the ballot, it's I think it's just too late. It's now it does look like you're you're keeping the choice away from voters um you could have done done this a long time ago and had more success so um uh you know one of the arguments that the supreme court made 
in turning down a lot of his his cases was that it's just too late. You, you challenge election results before the or you challenge election laws before the election results come out. Otherwise, you just look like a sore loser. And I think it works the other way here, too. It's just it's just too late. The timing isn't right. Interesting side note about Trump's you know, legal questions. Often I hear people say, well, he hasn't been convicted. But I've also watched enough of Donald Trump and listened to interviews with Donald Trump where he basically admits to the actions that he's being prosecuted for out loud on TV. So it's, it's sort of an interesting way for a defendant, in this case, former President Donald Trump, to act in that reality. You just don't see that that often. Right. His defenders say, well, he hasn't been found guilty of insurrection, so therefore he he didn't engage in insurrection. But you, you can be you can have engaged in insurrection without having been charged strictly with the, the crime of insurrection. It's like, you know, it's like saying you, uh, you know, you didn't kill anybody because, uh, you, you know, you weren't found guilty of murder. You were only found guilty of homicide or something, you know, just they're legal terms that that kind of go back and forth. Uh, and the other thing I, I'll say about him keeping him off the ballot is, you know, with this birther nonsense, he's arguing that people should be kept off the ballot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to argue both uh, sides. Yeah. It's the fascinating thing about Donald Trump, if you can use that term. All right, Christian Snyder, author and columnist. We'll take a break. Let's get to the state of the race. Haley, despite some of her recent comments on the rise in New Hampshire, maybe in Iowa, and Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, maybe taking his final hit. We shall see. We'll talk about that with Christian Snyder. After this, author and columnist Christian Snyder joining us on the Tri County Contracting Hotline. Um, so I was just watching the monitors, and the interesting slide came up and a banner that talked about Chris Christie's impact on the sort of the second place race between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. And, and it said basically, almost overwhelmingly, that if Chris Christie got out, all those voters would go to Nikki Haley, which in states like New Hampshire and others might mean the difference between having a serious challenger to Donald Trump and just, you know, throwing the towel in. What do you think? Uh, I think that's 100 percent correct. Um, Chris Christie is about to get an education. And unfortunately, Nikki Haley is going to have to pay the tuition <laughs> because wow. in uh, New Hampshire, he's about to find out that he is no longer a viable presidential candidate. But in doing so, is going to suck, you know, 10 percent or whatever of the vote away from Haley. And if you see the polls, Trump and Haley are within six, seven percent from each other. So yeah, yeah. Haley could con- conceivably win New Hampshire with Christie's votes. But he's in it and he's deciding that he has to he needs the bad news, uh, you know, in black and white. And so he's he's probably not going to drop out. He's going to do terribly in Iowa. I mean, most people would drop out after Iowa after a bad finish. And, you know, we have a debate tomorrow night. We'll see how well Haley does there. I think the debate is just Haley and DeSantis. Correct. Um, Trump was invited, not showing up, like always. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's because he doesn't have to. Um, Yeah, we'll see how well DeSantis does. If DeSantis finishes third in Iowa... And I think he's still maybe ahead, but Haley's surging. And if, you know, he finishes a distant third in New Hampshire, that's got to be it for, for DeSantis. And then you go on to South Carolina, which is Haley's home state, even though she's still way behind Trump there. You know, you pick up those DeSantis votes, you pick up those Chris Christie votes, and and now you're talking real money. But uh, 
yeah, it's going to be, you know, I, friends of mine who are never Trumpers often argue that Chris Christie needs to stay in the race because his voice is necessary. He's the only one really going after Trump uh, and all that. And that just makes no sense to me. He's got to get out of the race because if you're really against Trump, then you would have Haley actually be a viable candidate against him rather than having Christie take away all those votes. It just doesn't make any sense. He's also a viable candidate to win the general election, which is kind of the goal for Republicans, I would think, unless you just want to own the libs in the uh, the nomination process. Right. It just, uh, you know, they say he, his voice is necessary. Uh, first of all, it, it goes on the premise that nobody's going to beat Trump anyway, so we might as well have somebody in the race that's, you know, that's that's hitting him. But I mean, the numbers show with those votes, Haley actually could make a could make a run at this thing. Uh, and I'd rather sure it's a long shot, but I'd rather have her give it a shot than just make it all go away. And, you know, Chris Christie, he's not you know going away. If he, if he gets out of the race, he can still go on CNN. He can still go on uh, MSNBC can still do all those things that he did before, just not as a candidate. It's not like he's he's vanishing from the earth. What what would a Ron DeSantis candidate now dropping out of the race? What what would he do and say? Do you think where would he go? Would he be? I don't know, I don't know if he'd be a Trump supporter, but I don't know think he'd be a Haley supporter. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. He he has been a little more critical of Trump lately, but. It's going to be awkward for him just because he's burned so many bridges in Florida to try to, uh, you know, to, to try to win the presidency. I mean, going after Disney and all those types of things. So now he's got it. He would have to go back to Florida hat in hand and go, yeah, by the way, I didn't mean any of that stuff. Yeah, he's um, actually had some really embarrassing stories in Florida because they just fired the, the head of their uh, their state party. So, I mean, there's a lot of things happening in Florida that aren't necessarily things he wants to see in the middle of a race to be the nominee. Right. He'll have to go back Emily Latella style SNL <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and go, never mind. <laughs> That's a good bridge because we're going to take another break and then we're going to talk about SNL, your, your great podcast. We're going to let you pitch that and, and talk about some of the, the developments. And what season are you in now? Uh, watching season 14 right now. God, it's amazing. You got, How long are you going to spend on this project? This is like insane. This is like homework. Well, there's 50 seasons. So <laughs> I know. We've got, we've got 36 more to go. Did you think this through when you were starting with your partner there? Uh, yeah. I mean, the good news is it's going to be over at some point. <laughs> Please tell me you're writing a book about this, right? You have to write a book because you're going to have more knowledge about SNL than most people would ever have. That is probably true. I don't know. Maybe we'll throw something together. All we haven't right. really talked about it. Well, you're author of two books already. Why not make it three? All right. Christian Sider will take a break here. We'll rejoin the conversation after this on WTMJ. Winding up to the uh, top of the hour news, and you'll get your latest news about the storm, winter storm in Wisconsin, all of that's coming up in a few minutes. We're joined on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline by author and columnist Christian Snyder, frequent guest of the program, and he has a brilliant, along with his partner Scott Bertram, uh, podcast called Wasn't That Special, 50 Years of SNL. I'm a big SNL fan, have been since the beginning. I'm old enough to appreciate all that. You told us before the break, you're on year 14. I think that I was just reading about that. That's the year of a new logo for SNL, if I'm correct. And then, uh, like, who's the cast in year 14? Okay, so year 14 is 1988 and 89. So uh, we're in we're a couple years into the Phil Hartman, uh, Dana Carvey, John Lovitz, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, Nora Dunn, 
Uh, and then just last night, midway through the season, they added a fresh new face uh, named Mike Myers. I mean, uh, this was season. this was like the, you know the one of the best lineups you could ever have. It that it echoes the the original lineup, right? Yeah, uh, as you know, we go through and we grade every sketch and every every episode. And is this one turning out to be the greatest season to date? Uh, maybe mm. you'll have to you'll have to listen to the podcast and, and find out. But uh, it, it really is outstanding. Um, that yeah, they're they're really getting their feet under them uh, at this point. And um, yeah, it's really you know, Lauren Michaels, the producer of the show, says. Uh, you know, everybody's favorite cast is the one when they were in high school. Right. And this, these are the years when I was in high school. And I think this literally might be the best cast. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Uh, so, so it literally might be true for me, at least. So you've watched 14 seasons or at least partway through the, the 14th season, the politics of SNL. Um, describe how that's morphed or changed or did it change in the year from one to 14? I mean, it's definitely progressive. Uh, they made fun of uh, uh, Gerald Ford quite a bit. With Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase, of course, falling down. Uh, they took it a little easier on Jimmy Carter. And then kind of like through 1980 through 1985, they had a new producer, Dick Abersall, came on and produced the show. Uh, there was one year of Gene Domanian. But, um, and his edict was pretty much no politics. Like People don't want to hear about politics. So there wasn't a whole lot of Ronald Reagan stuff at all. Uh, but then in 86, 87, they come back and with, you know, the show had struggled with Ronald Reagan for for years and had, hadn't figured him out. Then Phil Hartman comes in with this famous sketch where it's Ronald Reagan is, you know, kind of a, a dunce adult. But then when everybody leaves, he turns into an evil genius <laughs> where he knows everything. And it's just amazing uh, that Phil Hartman finally got it. So, that's pretty much where we are. George Bush just got elected uh, in the season that I'm watching, and Dana Carvey is starting to work on his George H.W. Bush, which is actually really good. So um, that's where the that's where the show is politically right now. Yeah, it, actually, some of the, the current episodes, I've, I've watched about half of them from the last couple of seasons. It, they seem like they misfire a lot when it comes to politics. In their att- attempt to just be left of center, they, they missed some great opportunities where they could also be blown up their own side. Right. During the, you know, the Harvard, the Ivy League president's uh, testimony where they thought the real joke was at least Stefanik asking the questions, not the horrible questions. Yeah. The Claudine Gay questions, right? Yeah. Right, right. They thought, you know, at least Stefanik was the most ridiculous thing about that, and they overshot that by a mile. So, yeah, I mean, they're still progressive, um, more overtly so now. But, uh, yeah, it's not so much in the past. He is Christian Snyder, author and columnist. Uh, the special, or the podcast, rather, that we are just talking about, wasn't that special, 50 Years of SNL, available wherever people get their podcasts, right? Yep, wasn't that special.com or on Twitter, X, at, uh, at 50 Years of SNL. Love it. Always great to talk to you, Christian. We'll do it again down the road. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks.